Hi everyone and welcome to the Lash Tribe Show. My name is Julia Mann and I am the owner and founder of Lash Tribe. We help create successful and fully booked lash artists all over the world with the help of our online and in-person training programs that will get you results with a proven system. In today's episode of the Lash Tribe Show, I have a very, very special guest, Hilary Brand from My Brand Lashes. This is a crazy episode. We could have talked for hours, but of course we needed to kind of keep it in a lengthy episode that was easy to, to listen to and to digest. But wow, so many amazing topics we talked about. Hillary recently sold her business, My Brand Lashes. She talks about exactly why that was and how she felt about it, how she actually grew the company to where it was before she sold it, and what kind of exit strategy someone should have if they were looking at selling their own business. But a big part of this is also about how couples or a marriage works in terms of business, a female and a male partner in business, or even just in life if the female has the business. So yeah, this episode has so many great gold nuggets and so much great content. We're going quite deep. This is a re probably one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded so far, just because Hillary is so authentic and so willing to share anything with us. So stay tuned. We're going to get started. When someone came along and saw my vision and was like, we'd love to take your vision and go as far and as fast as we can with it. That was what sort of breathed hope back into the whole idea of allowing my brand lashes to move on. I am a woman that is for partnership. I feel like if we're just on the girls team, then we're always going to be missing 50% of the rest. But if I could learn to be in partnership with both, I'm a very powerful person. I'm dressed up now, but this is not my norm. I'm usually kind of homeless looking. <laughs> I wanted it to... <laughs> so hi, Hillary. Thank you so much for joining me today at the Lash Tribe Show. Oh, thanks for having me, Julia. I am so excited. We met each other, um, was it now a couple of times, I think, but I don't think we ever had a proper, long, in-depth chat. Uh, we've been too busy. We're always speakers and like running on and off stage. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But I'm so excited that we've made this happen because I know even with COVID, every, everything is happening right now. Everyone is trying to get their businesses sorted and get new ideas. But I know you've had some major changes happening as well, which I kind of want to touch on a little bit later. But first of all, I think most people will know who you are, but for those who don't know, who is Hillary Brand? An industry disruptor. I think that would be the best description. Okay. I've never played by the rules. I've been in this industry a long time and uh, it served me well. So I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I think you were one of the first people that I actually followed um, on Instagram. I remember those I don't think they had stories back then at all. It was just a feed, but you were like the first one that was like wearing a little beanie and being all snuggly over where you are and just being super authentic and natural, but very educational at the same time. And I think that's what really sets you apart from the rest. Um, so yeah. just to touch on my brand lashes and how it all started, how long or when did it all start back then? And what made you grow into this big brand that you had? 
okay, actually started my brand lashes when my oldest son was a baby. Uh, so my husband was in college. He was a waiter. Uh, he, it wasn't uncommon for him to bring home only $21 a night, that kind of a thing. It wasn't that busy where he was working. It was a sweet but terrible time, if that makes sense. It was financially very, very tough, brand new baby, really not sure who we wanted to be when we grew up, that kind of a thing. And as a mother, I was not okay with getting on welfare or state assistance, or I just... I couldn't let myself get down that way. Now, is it wrong to do that? No. What I was challenging myself to do was to think bigger. Like what, what could, what could be possible if I had it all my way? And I had graduated from hair school when I was 16. So at that time I would have been 24. And I thought, why not do lashes for real? Like for real, I knew how to do them, but why not for real? And this was when the bubble burst in 2009. So everyone was just struggling. It was really hard. But here's the thing, Julia, I actually don't know why this worked because when I look back in, in retrospect, it, it would not, I would have never jumped for it. Not now, knowing what I know now. But I bought a kit and I asked five of my clients to invest with me because I didn't have two nickels to run together. Like they, I just didn't have any money if they would put a little bit of money each into the kit and help me invest in that, then I would give them lashes for free if they would tell their friends about me. And it exploded. And I just remember thinking, this shouldn't have worked. <laughs> like, this shouldn't have worked, but it did. And later on, I actually found out that women would save money and hide money away during the uh, Great Depression that hit here. And it, uh, we've always prioritized beauty mm. no matter what the struggle was. So in that instance, it, it was almost like, okay, well, of course it worked because the human nature of a woman is that if she feels beautiful, she feels like she has a little bit of control over her life. And then maybe she has choices in her life. And then, and then if she has choices, she could choose big things. And that was something that I gradually learned over the years, but the beginning was just, a risk and a chance and it worked and I never intended to stay in lashes it was just to get my husband through college and then he was going to go off and make whatever money he hoped to make and then I would be a stay-at-home mom because I didn't have a mom who stayed at home I wanted that for my kids it just kept getting bigger and bigger I did house calls I did salon teaching I then graduated into teaching into a, in a school and then all of a sudden I was thinking of starting a product line. And I'm so happy that first round failed. Bad. <laughs> how, how so? Why do you think that was? Because I had to learn, there was nowhere to, like Facebook was not a thing yet. Not really, not for beauty yeah. purposes. The only real makeup form was wake up in your makeup, if anyone remembers that. And I just remember thinking, how am I going to start a product line? I know some things, but I know I know nothing at the same time. So I, I actually still, I think I have a trace somewhere of my original line. And it arrived, it was going to be called the Timeless Line, and it was a periwinkle blue. And the manufacturer shipped everything to me. I could only afford to do like 600 trays the first round. And that was 
every size, every curl, and that was even skimping. And if you've never owned a product line, 600 trays is nothing. Like, it, it won't get you anywhere. And they all arrived. They had lost all of their curl. Oh, they God. went flat. Yes. Yeah, story of my life. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and you can't sell something that's gone flat. And uh, it was truly just devastating. <laughs> but we continued. I then opened a salon, hired five girls. Uh, we just kind of stuck with Blink for a long time because that was the brand to be a part of. So we built the salon. We have the five people. I had something like 250 clients rotating in and out. Wow. It was big. I was teetering on the edge of trying to make it work. I had just had my second baby and I thought, why not expand and, and move to Las Vegas? <laughs> why not? I, why not? <laughs> we, <laughs> we had had one of our most favorite clients and she'll still always just be my favorite person. Um, she moved there and she was like, I've done a bunch of research and there's not a lot going on here yet in the world of lashes and anything that we really could find. Like, again, Instagram didn't really exist for this yet. So we had websites and stock photos to judge what people's work really was. And even then, like iPhone one and two were the hot things. So it wasn't even great photos. And she came back and she said, I think I found a lash artist that will work and I think she'll be good. Okay, great. Well, let me look at it. And it looked fine. But then she called me about three weeks later and my, my youngest son, Oliver, was only six weeks old, maybe. And she's like, Hillary, my lashes. And I just remember seeing the pictures as best as you could take a picture of your lashes, right? And they had just been seared together with so much glue and it was just wretched, wretched work. And I thought, I don't even know how to tell you to take these off. We were trying oil, we were trying all the things and we just couldn't get them off. And so I looked at my husband, I said, I think my mom can watch the baby. Let's go to Vegas. And he's like, right now, I'm like, right flipping now, like now, 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 now. So we got in the car and made it down there, removed our lashes, brought all my product with me. But the point of this story is that we realized after all that research, after everything that we had done, it wasn't like a little bit of research, it was months of research. If that was the best that we could find, then I had a really good chance of succeeding down there. Mm. And was it My Brand Lashes at that stage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a salon called My Brand Lashes. I owned My Brand Lashes, but I wasn't producing products yet yeah. or teaching, just doing lashes. And then, so, yeah, yeah. and uh, social media hit and became bigger and bigger. And I think for, for myself with Lash Tribe, it was around 2015, 2016, that things started really happening and people were following other people. How do you think that had changed my brand lashes the way that you envisioned it to something completely different, like so much bigger? How did that all help or play a part? In I've always, I've always said that I've just built this as I was flying. <laughs> I truly did not expect for this to take off. I didn't truly expect for anyone to think I was interesting at all. I, I didn't think that there would be something for me to share. It was truly just a point to try and help my family. But where social media got interesting for me was that when we got to Vegas, I lost everything. My dad got in a plane crash, he died. My, I wrecked my car with my brand new baby in it and it was my fault. 
And then on that same day, my entire staff at my salon took every single client and moved out. Nothing left. All of this within the, the day, the car accident and the mutiny happened in the same day, but then I lost my dad three months later. So while I'm going through all of this, I couldn't get out of bed. There was just no, like, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to wrap my mind around it because we had just moved to a new state and I had no family there either. There was nothing. And I didn't know this at the time, but I was going through some serious postpartum depression too. So all that just stacked on top of each other. And there's a good, there's a good silver lining here. Yeah, with this, uh, three. <laughs> yeah. But I, I got on Instagram and figured it out during that time. I learned what a hashtag was. I learned what posting was. And I started to learn to connect with other lash artists because I could keep my brain focused on that instead of whatever was going around. And then I learned how to tag in different languages for eyelashes. So it wasn't just eyelash, eyelash extensions, volume lashes, which by the way, they weren't even existing yet in our area. But um, I started finding lash artists. And then one day I thought, what if I were to do like a tip of the day or something to that effect? Because we needed education and no one, none of the big uh, companies were sharing. You had to take their $3,000 class. And I found later that it wasn't even quality information. It was just a really good brand plan. So anyway, um, really long story, but social media really curved everything when I learned how to hashtag in different languages and then posting valuable information. All of a sudden, I went from 780 followers maybe to, I, I remember hitting the 15,000 mark and going, how did that amazing, <laughs> yes, but why would anyone listen to me? And then it started to become fun. And no, there were not stories. There were, <laughs> it actually was in chronological order. It wasn't based on an algorithm, which was so nice, by the way. Uh, you couldn't <laughs> link anything, but it was just, it was cool. Mm. It was really cool. And then now talking about where we are today, people have probably already heard about it. You recently sold my brand lashes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> How, why has this been always in the back of your mind? Were you creating my brand lashes with an exit strategy? Because I think a lot of people build brands or companies, but they don't really know where they want to be in five years time. They don't build a company with that, that kind of sale in mind. What was that like for you? It, it was more of the, where am I serving at my highest? It got to the point where it felt like there were a lot of lash brands and a lot of education. And I felt like I was getting into things that the lash industry either wasn't interested in or maybe didn't appreciate yet. It will. My curse is that I'm five years too early to every party. Empire Lashes were new. We got on that. And it just kind of felt like, not that there was competition, but was I relevant anymore? Yeah. Like when we did our Aunt Flo course, you know, there was a lot of pushback in the industry. Why would hormones matter? But secretly in these parallel lines of me building a business, I've also been a medical junkie for years. And it, it, it just got to the point where even though I can't diagnose anything, I was starting to see different patterns in lashes and saying, hey, you should probably go get, go to the doctor and check on this, not 
a thyroid problem or anything, I have called pregnancy three times. Twice when I sent somebody to the doctor just to check it out, they've come back with cancer. And it's just things that our lashes are actually really loud speakers for the health of our body. And over the last two years, I've really gotten into what partnership means and what education should be and where the health of the mind and the body can be. As well as the idea of selling, I've wanted to for a while, but how do you put your business on the market and then hopefully not get swallowed up with um, either your perceived competition or your, um, I don't know how to describe it, Julia. It's, it's just strange. It was just like, who would want it? Because am I too specific? I even had one person say when we did put it up the first time, it's too much Hillary brand. It's not enough my brand lashes. And I thought that's silly because yeah. it's always been the brand is about the lash artist. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, then 2020 hit and it was just one of those really loud awakenings that we've all had. And mine was, are you serving the highest you can? And the answer was no, I'm not. So at that point, it didn't matter if I sold or liquidated. It didn't matter the outcome, which by the way, if you ever want anything really big to happen in your life, you have to let all that go. <laughs> like, you have to be fine with whatever is thrown your way. And so when I finally surrendered, allowed that to happen and said, hey, I'm going to liquidate and go to med school, all of the sudden, and I have a list, 20 people reach out. Would you be interested in selling your company to me? Sure. <laughs> let's, let's start the vetting process. And so that's, that's where we are right now. What kind of processes did you have to put into place of, I guess, change certain things in order for it to make this thing that someone could buy? Because if I'm thinking about Lash Trap now, look, this has probably crossed everyone's mind who has a brand because we have our days where we say, oh, fuck it, everything is just way too much. I'm yep. not inspired. I, I don't feel the motivation anymore. But for me to say, I'm going to sell it, what do I have in place to make something sellable other than the, the brand, the name? Yeah, you actually can't plan on the name. What they're looking for is how much inventory you have, sure. what your education system brings for profit. I recommend not selling to somebody outside of the industry because they don't see, the industry is so niche, they don't see lashes as a big money maker, yeah. but it, it actually is. So vet out anyone who tries to tell you that this won't be valuable because the value is actually in the quality of the product and the fact, how much do you have? From there, that's just your assets and you can expand and go, well, what digital products do I have? What, what class formats do I have? And in my case, my buyer was able to purchase uh, manuals and digital products and all of those things. And of course, I'm staying on to help her continue so that it's a smooth transition. But if you are trying to just sell your brand, you'll get an offer for maybe your Instagram account, which I did. So I'm saying that. Someone actually reached out and said, can I purchase your Instagram account and your followers? Wow. Um, that's about all you're going to get. Hmm? Someone from the industry. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I guess. So I mean, there's even value in your client list and in your Instagram account, but you can't depend on only that. Hmm. And truly at the end of the day, if someone's following you, it's for a reason. And if you sell it to someone who's going to start posting, I don't know, 
food pictures when we all love food, but that wasn't why you started following them, they're going to leave anyway. Mm -hmm. So even that has only an ish value. What do you think someone who wants to sell their company or think about selling it to someone, obviously in the industry, what do these people, if there's a couple or if it's one person, what, what do you think they should bring along apart from experience and lashing and some kind of business knowledge what do you think their personal issue should be like any values that you want them to have i you want to know what your business core values were and does that person align with those values hmm. my values have always been that i wanted this to be a real company with real mistakes real behind the scenes i mean i'm dressed up now but this is not my norm i'm usually kind of homeless looking <laughs> i wanted it to <laughs> I always wanted it to be something that felt like everyone could be a part of this. You didn't have to be a certain anything to be a lash artist in this club. Just be here and bring those talents that you have. This was the place that you were allowed to have them and try it out. And if you failed, okay, you want, we're here to support you. So if they don't align with, align with those values, you're going to watch your company go down the tubes because it really is like saying goodbye to a baby. It is. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Have you made peace with it? I mean, you're transitioning. I yeah. I, I had my, it's so crazy. It feels like, um, it doesn't feel like it's going to die because it's going off and going to college and it's going to get married and have its own life. That's how it feels. But when I was liquidating before I thought, oh, someone might want to sell it or buy it, it was definitely the, the five stages of grief, you know, anger and acceptance. Like you have to get all the way through had my complete darkest moments when it was just like, did I just decide to fail? Like, did I just decide that I, am I not working hard enough? You know, am I not doing that? But when someone came along and saw my vision and was like, we'd love to take your vision and go as far and as fast as we can with it. That was what sort of breathed hope back into the whole idea of allowing my brand lashes to move on. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. Cool. Where do you think you'll be in five years' time? Will we still see you around? Will you be part of Lashes in some way? I hope so. I, I would like to, I mean, like I said, I'm off to med school. I'm on that path, right? Like it's not starting tomorrow, but my focus will be around hormones and what those do for the body. You know, just as a tangent, the last time birth control was updated was in the 60s. Wow. Like, like we've had 600 cell phones since then of different versions, but for whatever reason, we can't get hormones to get updated. And, and we as women have issues with our hair and our lashes and our brows and among a billion other things, hormones run everything and no one's really looking at them and figuring it out. So I hope to bring that knowledge back to the beauty industry because I think it fits. Do I have a lot of time to change my mind? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> where this whole COVID thing is going and when you can actually start with everything mm -hmm. you know you never know do you mind if I ask you some questions they're kind of not really related to the topic but I think they're just some really in interesting questions that we can kind of put in which will help um, our viewers or listeners a little bit maybe with some of their own questions that they have as well and in like being being a human <laughs> altogether, what would you say is something that you feel misunderstood about? For me? Yeah. Like uh, what, what's something people seem to misunderstand about you? 
I think they misunderstand that I don't need to be appreciated for what I've put into the lash industry. Wow. You know, a big part of what I've done in the lash industry, if you think about it, no one was doing tips of the day before I did. There are a lot of techniques and a lot of big free information that I did give. And there have been experiences, not many, where I was expected to give more mm -hmm. without any gratitude. Yeah. And so that was something that I, I've learned about myself over the last couple of years is I really need someone to at least acknowledge that, oh, you put some work into this for us. Uh, because if we're all thriving in the industry, that reputation that ugh, lashes are bad, they're dangerous, they, they're, you'll lose your lashes, it's not true. It's not true, which is why I really started pushing new information because the old information was terrible. Yeah. So that's something that I, I feel like I'm strong, but I wanted to see that later on for sure. Yeah, I agree. And what were the best resources for you that really helped you along the way? You personally? One of my superpowers is that I will figure something out. <laughs> and what that will mean is that I will try things until it either works or I'm going to make something that does work. And, you know, I'm learning that everyone's superpower is very, very different. I didn't even know this was a thing until very recently. Like, for example, the new owner's superpower is networking. She is incredible at that. But I, I have a, the ability to look outside the box and go, we could do this differently and more efficiently if you're willing to try it. And really, it's not the achieving the new result. It's the brave courage that you need to jump and try something different. Yeah, I totally agree that that's you. You just always have thought outside of the box. And I remember when we were putting on an event uh, in Hamilton Island here in Australia, you were asking if you could talk about something completely different. And I was just like, yeah, I love that. Obviously, it didn't happen. But um, yeah, I can totally see that. <laughs> that's amazing. Tell me about, say, a student or a customer that really touched your heart and changed some of the practices that you were doing differently before? It's not that I, I don't know. I'm seeing so many. <laughs> That's good. The, I, you know, they're both the good and the, and the tough lessons. I, I wouldn't even say they were bad lessons, but I had one student, no matter what I threw at her, she was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going to try that, yeah. And I remember thinking, do I respond to my life like that? Do I look at it and go, yeah, I'm going to try that. She was just a yes girl. Whatever you say, yes, I'm willing, I'm able, let's do it. I've had several customers who will have changed my life for the better of always. Mary Frances was my first real mom, you know, like, and I love my mom. Don't get me wrong. I just, she came in and she just adopted me and supported me through the transition of moving from Utah to Vegas and then going from a little one person in the studio to a global traveler teaching volume in countries who had never even heard of it before. You know, she was there with a the coffee. <laughs> like Paula, for example, taught me my sticky note method in class. And, and uh, you know, you have, we have students in, in class who love to dominate with questions. You know, they always lots and lots of questions and we want to answer them. But there's this boundary we have to have around how much time we're spending and how much time we're spending with each student. 
But when Paula gave me the sticky note method of like everyone deserves, gets a sticky note and they can put their question in and then everyone gets their 10 minutes between segments to ask their questions, um, changed everything about how I, I started teaching. So, I mean, I literally could go on and on and on. Even, you know, my last business partner, you know, I, pre I appreciate every single thing that she ever did for me. She showed me things about myself. She showed me how to grow. And it was just, I would, I would not be the same person had I not known her. What makes you feel inspired to be the best you, the best version of yourself? I'm 35. I'm not supposed to live, you know, statistically, people don't live past 75. So I'm 75, 80, right? Depending on how healthy we are. So I have 35-ish more years and then I'm done, but I'm 35 and it happened like that. You know, my babies are growing up and it's just like, I have lived an entire life in the lash industry and I still have enough time to live another entire life doing something else. Like you don't have to do one thing for your whole life. And I hope that that is something that everyone feels brave enough to try, but I'm excited about this next. And bit and I want to do it on purpose. The first half was just like, what the f am I doing? <laughs> Let's just like get a seatbelt so that we don't, you know, blow everything up. But this time I want to look at it with intention and where my gifts are and my talents are and how I can serve in my highest way because I've learned so much about myself that I don't feel like I need from people like I used to. Now I want to give to people because I can. Mm. Yeah, I love that. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it say? Ooh, let your kids choose their own haircut. I mean, it's just, okay. <laughs> Here's why I say this though. I remember when I was in hair school, come and I would graduate, fresh graduate, and this mom was running into the salon and she was so pissed. I mean, you could just see the steam coming off of her head and she had her daughter there and she sat her down in my chair and she said, shave her head. And I went, excuse me? And she's like, her, her grades are bad. Her attitude's bad. She's not doing anything she's supposed to be doing. Shave her head. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, do you think perhaps she's rebelling because of how you treat her? I will not be shaving her head. And I kicked her out. I almost got fired for it. Mm. But we get so uptight about our kids' creativity and I, I loved giving kids mohawks and blue hair and, and the zigzags on the side and like even my kids, they can have whatever haircut they want because they have almost no control over their own lives. Their job is to just follow orders from mom and dad and teachers and whoever else is in charge of them until they're 18. Mm. But a haircut, let them choose their own fucking haircut. <laughs> I love it that. gives them a little bit of autonomy over what they want to have. So I can so relate because obviously I'm a hairdresser too by trade. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, especially when we have school holidays, will color her hair. First day of school holidays, we're going to color it purple or pink. My son will get like weird little braids in it and he gets like the zigzag on the side. Unfortunately, schools over here are quite strict. So once school you. starts again, you have to kind of make sure it's kind of washed out. But yeah. that's the first thing we ever do. And the other thing you said before, our kids have so many rules and I totally agree. I was watching videos for the last two days of this guy. He is Australian. Jimmy Reese, R-E-E-S. -E Firstly, he's hilarious. 
he's a comedian, but he's got all these shorts. He's got three children and he has introduced something called Yes Day. So I thought that would be an amazing thing, an amazing experience for my kids to have. I am a little bit scared what they're going to ask me, but I will record it and we will have a Yes Day and it's going to go (laughs) everywhere just to, to give back some freedom as well and realize how many times do we actually say no to our kids mm-hmm. it's the first thing that's on our mind can i have no can i no you know so i'm going to do a yes day so that's, yes. that's definitely a correct little topic i um, love that and it really speaks to the spirit of a child and how enduring they are because if you and i were told no all day long mm-hmm. i mean there are not bottles of wine big enough to drown those sorrows <laughs> Yeah, right? Right. yeah totally but a child wakes up in the morning and throws their arms around you i love you good morning and it's just like wow you are just an incredible I, I, human yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah sometimes. <laughs> sometimes i get off on the wrong foot and you go whoa i haven't even spoken to you yet and i'm getting a huge attitude from you <laughs> the build up of the nose <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, now, to finish off, I always ask my guests a question at the end. Stepping into my shoes, if you were interviewing yourself, what is one thing you would have asked you that I didn't? I think it would just be, I mean, one of my favorite passionate things would be the relationship that husbands and wives or partners have with each other when growing a business together. You know, how... Um, and I, I am obsessed with the topic, so it's like you'll hear me talk about that whenever I can. It doesn't have to be as difficult as it is. And over the years, I've watched personal friends and colleagues have to separate and go on their ways for mm-hmm. things that didn't have to change, but morphed into stone cold hearts. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit if you yeah. have time. What yeah. is what? What are your tips for this not to happen? Because obviously. When Lash Tribe grew to something bigger and bigger that I wasn't expecting either. And then I was invited. I had to travel. We had a really hard time for a while there. For him, it was a very big ego thing because he's the male. He needs to be the main provider. And then all of a sudden, I was overtaking him in wages. And for him, it was a very difficult time. A little bit of depression, some really big fights. Uh, but we managed to then kind of bring it back together, which I don't really know how that worked. I think it was just a bit of compromise on each side and realizing that males think very differently about success and what it's, and what it usually should entail in an old fashioned kind of way. What are some things that you think you did right and others did wrong? Uh, I wouldn't say right or wrong. I would say, misunderstandings in who's in in what a team was Mm -hmm. in in some of my graduate topics we talk about um, how a man views a team Mm -hmm. and when they choose to be married to dedicate their lives to a person you're now a team and when the rules change without any new playbooks to go forward it feels like the team leader, because it was his team and he chose to join you and you are now a part of his team, right? Although if you flipped it around, he was a part of yours, but from his side, okay, it, it feels like there, there, there's no more points. 
There's no more, there's not a purpose, there's not a way to provide, there's not a way to protect because the rules changed and there's no new plays. Mm. And with some, obviously there are words to use and some understanding. See, we get really upset with, well, he's upset. Actually, by the way, your scenario is very common. I, I've talked to a lot of women who are like, I'm making more than my husband now and he's not fine with it. It was, it's never really about the money as much as you, he still wants to be on your team. Where can he provide value? Where he can, where can he protect you? And it's not, it's not a, I am woman, hear me roar. In fact, I am not a feminist and you will hear me not talk about like, I, I'm not a feminist, but here's why I am a woman that is for partnership. I feel like if we're just on the girls team, then we're always going to be missing 50% of the rest. But if I could learn to be in partnership with both, I'm a very powerful person. Mm-hmm. And leaders have to understand both. And especially as a mother of boys, I can't be a feminist. No. I can't hate the thing I created. So I am actively working on ways to have a team with my husband, to give him a role that I can be vulnerable and weak in, and he can actually step up and say, yes, I want to take this on for you. Uh, when I was traveling, and I know you know how this crazy life goes, but when you're in the air more than you're on the ground for months at a time, and you didn't have a conversation about who, where that nurturing side is going to be for the kids, and he's also working at his regular job and doing all of the things, he doesn't know that you're looking at him to maybe join your team and be the lash king. You know, you're the lash queen, he's the lash king he doesn't know what that looks like because it was never spoken. It's just assumed. But if there's anything we can know as adults, nobody knows what we're thinking. Mm. And so I think that, and actually I'd love to teach about this in the industry. I really would because there's a whole system to it. And instead of making men wrong for being different, I wish so badly that we would get in partnership with the way they're wired because it's just a different wiring. It would be like having a Mac and a PC try to talk to each other and they're just, <laughs> the PDFs don't come through the same. They just don't. <laughs> it's all right. But it, it's, we need them both. We need them both. And in business, I, I can truly say that I am as successful as I am and as proud of what I've done because I've had Jerem behind me this whole time. And has it always been easy? No. <laughs> was he involved in the actual My Brand Lashes? Parts of it. I remember seeing other places and they, they like the husband and wife would team together and they'd do yeah. the whole thing and I'd get jealous because it was like my husband was building his career and I was trying to build this thing over here. And I remember one day, and this is not to throw him under the bus, and he knows I talk about him, so I have his permission here. <laughs> but I remember one day, I needed a design for one of my lash trays, and he was the one that did, I would mock it up and he would do them. But he said to me, Hillary, I have three paying projects right now, I can't do it. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, I have to have this design for the designer or we're not going to get this, you know, marketed. And I said, so do I need to put you like on an actual payroll to get your attention? Oh, I was so mad. I was so mad. And you could just hear his balls being sliced off and thrown across the room for the way I responded. 
but it wasn't that he had his own deadlines. And I assumed that because he was supposed to be my lash king and I put him in this place that he didn't even ask to be in, that he should just drop everything and do what I asked. That was a big fight for us. And it, it boiled down to what I expected and what he expected. Right. And we were just missing everything. And once we got down to bottom line expectations, without judgment, just I expected to have support here. And he expected to have me support him because he was up to his eyeballs in work. Mm. And we just missed each other, like ships in the night. (laughs) So, and then delegation started. Okay, I get a designer to do it. I'll mock up as much as I can or learn it myself. And I will take this pressure off of my marriage. Yeah, this is a great topic because I feel like I can just relate so 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 much (laughs) with what I went through for the last five years and still sometimes go through um, we were actually in discussions he wants to sell his business because he doesn't feel fulfilled Um, he wants to have the in-person contact again with more clients and he has a little car radiator shop where he repairs air conditioning and radiators for cars but it's only him it's him his little shop he sees customers, but he doesn't have that team behind him. He's a real big team player. So I was then thinking, oh, well, I could somehow insert him into Lash Tribe and get him to build the team behind it because I don't think I would be very good at leading a team. I'm good at creativity. I'm great at doing videos and just teaching, but I don't think I would be good at managing a team. So I was always thinking, how can I make something fit for him to fit into Lash Tribe without even asking him though, like, would you even want to consider doing that? You know, he probably doesn't. And I asked him the other month and this is something, yeah, probably a few months ago before COVID actually. So probably more so last year, what would you actually want to do? And he said, well, I think I would prefer to work part-time for someone else and then pick up the kids from school early and not having to have them to go to aftercare and before care. And just be home for two days a week and work for three days a week. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, well, we can make that work somehow too. And it's interesting that you mentioned the whole thing. I'm not a feminist. I'm not a feminist either. But I think for a lot of women in business, because it's this preconceived idea that we have to fight so much harder to get for what we want. Why is that? We don't. We don't really have to fight that much harder because if we have a great idea, we can make uh, money with that too and we can lead great teams. We don't have to make it all about, I'm a female entrepreneur and I'm a mother. Look at me, you know, because men are pretty much in the same boat. And I think it's, yeah. it's, it's this stigma that we kind of need to explore a bit more or perhaps get rid of that even though I am a female entrepreneur and have my own business, it doesn't mean I have to be a super hard, tough ass all the time. I still can be, I have to be vulnerable. And I think this is something I have to still learn every day. Sure. I always have to be like on my game and be hard and be the business mind. And then when I'm home, I have my kids. I have to look after them. I have to tell them what not to do. Uh, Next time (laughs) I will tell them, yes, you can do everything. (laughs) That's another story. But like, where does the husband fit into that, right? Right. So, such an interesting topic. How can I make him feel valuable mm-hmm. and needed and wanted if I have my mind with my business all the time and everything is churning and, yeah. How do you make him feel wanted? You actually look for opportunities to thank them. 
mm-hmm. for what they have done. You know, it's funny because as women, we're like, we don't get thanked for making dinner or taking out the garbage or doing dishes or picking up kids. We don't get thanked for that. Mm-hmm. Well, we do. We just don't know how to. And I'll tell you that in a second. But when it comes to men, even the tiniest little reward, believe it or not, just makes them go, okay, I have a purpose. I'm useful. And she noticed mm-hmm. my husband taking out the garbage is one of the best things that has bonded us as a couple, because I no longer say the garbage stinks. I look at him and say, babe, you would be my knight in shining armor if you would take that stinky ass garbage out the door. And yes, it feels cheesy and maybe even a little coerced, but the thing is, is would you rather be approached with, you're my knight in shining armor for saving me from the disgusting trash? Or would you rather be met with passive aggressive cold silence because you don't know what you're in trouble for? Yes. And it makes you, right? It makes you start to kind of like know where the person is in the room, but keep this distance because you could be in trouble at any second. I will try that. I mean, you have that kind of understanding without speaking. He kind of takes the garbage out anyway. But sometimes I look at him and go like, Oh, can you not bloody see it? But yeah. instead of saying the garbage is full, he goes, yes, thanks for letting me know. I've noticed myself. You know, he gets very passive, passive aggressive as an answer because yes. I am doing that passive aggressiveness myself. So, yeah, I will, I will try it out and let you know how I went. Well, <laughs> Do men don't want to be mothered and we don't want to be their mother. Right? God, isn't it? It is. And so for us to say, you'll be my knight in shining armor to save me from whatever chore or something small, like my husband filled up the tank in the car just the other day. I hate getting in the car with the empty tank and have to go do that errand too. And he did that. It was just like, you know what? I don't know if I tell you this very often, but when you fill up the gas tank for me, it makes my day so much easier. Mm-hmm. Ask me when the last time was I had to fill up the tank in my car. Because that one time I said that, he's like, well, I'll do it. Yeah, something that we do or I have to kind of do as well, which really helps his ego, I think, is when we get big deliveries with big boxes that I just can't get up the stairs. Because in the corner here, we have a flight of stairs, 17 stairs. I'm like in the first floor. Um, And I have to tell him, Justin, tomorrow... I can't lift the box. Like, I'm not strong enough. I need your strong arms. Can you just help me pick it up and put it up? And he has to drive by from going to his work to home anyway. So he will usually then drop it off and and do that. And I think that makes him feel kind of special and wanted, even though it's such a dumb little thing. Well, it's dumb for us. Yeah. Right? Like, we would make no effort at all. It would not be a thing if somebody said, hey, could you please bring me a coffee? I'm dying today. Like, we wouldn't think another second of it. Here's your coffee. Yeah, no problem, girl, anytime. But for men, that need to be needed, that need to be a purpose in your life, that thing that makes a difference for you, it's not even an ego thing. It's wired into them. They are 30 times more packed with testosterone than we have. 30 times. What that looks like is For us, we have this much and they have this entire room full of testosterone. And that is jet fuel. 
we burn out of it and then we burn into our adrenals and then we get chronic fatigue. We get hair, we lose hair. We start getting bad periods. We lose all those things by burning over the amount of testosterone we naturally produce. So guys having this constant engine revving, and it's not even just for sex, it's to lift things and move them and to be on purpose and for a purpose. If they can't use that, that goes into a negative energy and they'll start looking for things to destroy. Or you'll get addicted to video games or you'll find friends to start doing things with. There's, there's something where they have to go and find a place to spend it. Well, you can find positive places for them to spend it and everyone wins, mm -hmm. but they want to see that they can be their partner. They want to see that you're, you're a team, not just a honeydew list. Yeah. Maybe finding projects together that you mm -hmm. can do together. I remember before kids, we used to just go around our house and renovate things together and we laid mm -hmm. tiles together or painted things, dumb things like that. They were not that dumb, but you know, ever, and I think that goes for a lot of couples in professional businesses as well. It's just hard after kids, you know, things are changing a little bit. So I think we have to put a bit more effort in, into it. I think so. I think, well, and I think if every entrepreneur, myself included, making a date night non-negotiable with no phones, mm -hmm. kicking the phone out of the bedroom and it can't be there, you know, having a normal alarm clock, all of the magic is stolen out of our bedrooms when we have TVs and phones in there. Yeah. People wonder why they're not having sex. They wonder why they're not having that pillow talk. They wonder why they're not dreaming big anymore like they did when they were first married and couldn't afford the food they were, you know, eating. Like we wonder why that's disappeared. Well, we built all these distractions into the most safe part of our home. Which really, if you look at like feng shui and things like that, the the bedroom is your heart. And putting all those distractions inside of there, of course, our relationships are in trouble as entrepreneurs. Of course they are, because we now make our business the biggest part of our heart. Yeah, yeah. And we've got to take the time to reevaluate and really, yeah, sit down and take that special extra time. And it feels like everything else gets done so much easier when that other time is prioritized. It, it, it's still the same 24 hours, but we have more energy because something is on point and balanced. So the rest of it can get done. Even though it feels like it should be an afterthought, it should be the first thought. Well, what great valuable tips. Thanks. I'm excited letting me talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love to hear more about that. I'm very much into a lot of the manifestation and law of vibration and stuff like that at the moment. I'm just trying know. to, just like yourself, trying to get away from just work, 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 know how to do lashes. There's so much more about it that goes into growing a business and it yeah. all starts with the mind. And so I want to thank you for opening your mind up and, and sharing so authentically and freely today. Um, and I can't wait to see what else uh, life has in store for you. Um, where can people find you now? Where where do we get in contact with you? Have you opened up a new page or what's what's happening? Yeah, I, I haven't been too active because I'm kind of in a now what phase, but I also am being real there too. And the the new Instagram is called Constellation Creator. Mm. There's going to be life in this. I'm no longer performing for people. 
you know, if it's there, it's because I, I want to share it. Yeah. But I'm not interested in performing for the sake of performing. I'll perform if there's value, you know, that can be had from that. But um, I felt like my brand lashes, I loved doing tips of the day. I loved being a part of the industry, but I also, it's such a dark place when you're wondering, is this even worth it? You know, do people even receive this? Is this something that is helping? If not, how am I being judged? And at that point, I, now I don't care, but at that point it was big that if I was judged by it, then I don't know if I could do the next one. So sending that love, I think a big tip, like if you admire anyone on social media, send them just a little message. I don't know if anyone's told you today, but what you post makes a difference for me. Yeah. And lucky enough, they may not yeah, I still get that, you know, but then I hear from other people that I get hate on other forums. I get hate via email sometimes, but um, I just had to grow a tougher skin. It's just the way that it is. Beauty industry can be quite cutthroat, but I think any industry has their, especially if you are really doing social media, you know, you show your face, you, you are showing up constantly, you're everywhere on different types of social media. You just make yourself open for attacks anyway. Absolutely. Right? It's just something that you have to keep in mind. And in the beginning, I remember when I started out doing my very first live videos, I was devastated. I was at home depressed. I was crying when people said something negative about me. Yeah. But now I read the comments and I will go, okay, how can I re respond with love? There's this great saying, and I hope I say this correctly. If you are talking to someone who is absolutely rude to you, who has no kind of uh, best well wishes for you, someone who is just not a nice person, where can you see a little part of you in them and try and understand? How are they reflecting you back to you? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I always try and think about that too when I read, especially online comments. I think if, you, if you're talking to someone in person, a lot of the time it kind of shows a lot easier, but you, you can't tell on social media. And this is why I think social media has helped grow a lot of people, but it's also damaged a lot of people. And that's another completely different topic to talk about. That could be after a whole hour. <laughs> Be more like watch the social experiment on Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the things that's going to open your eyes. Anyway, I could talk to you forever, but the podcast have a certain length. <laughs> we can make a part one and a part two. <laughs> I would be totally open to it. I love talking to you, and thanks for letting me talk I'm about so um, many cool things. I know, right? Well, I'm I'm super excited. I just um, started following you on your. Constellation creator, and you know, I'm excited to see what you will bring to the new part of your life and what other people you can inspire now, if not lash artists. Probably Thank you. For lash artists. Thank, Thank you. you. I will still always think of the lash industry as my original base, you know, I'll and never not be up. a part of that, but I, I just love what this industry has offered me in such a valuable way for my life. So, and you like just even asking me to be a part of that. It's just crazy that again, why would someone want to hear anything I had to say? Like, I just thank you for even seeing that. No, of course. And everyone knows you as one of the big 
people in the industry and I think it just shows you and how humble you are that you think why me because I feel like that all the time as well why people ask me because I'm just a mother of two that works really hard to share some lash knowledge you know that's basically it (laughs) everything else has to be done at the same time the marketing the branding but at the end of the day it's just a lot of hard work it is and and you're a superwoman for it making a difference big time I don't know where I see this industry in five years you know to be quite honest I don't know either (laughs) things are changing so quickly and there's just too many trainers too many courses and a lot of them are not at the kind of level where they should be so I'm a little bit worried um I'm actually curious because I think there actually might be a mass exodus of lash companies. Mm-hmm. I have sold my company and I've done it publicly. I'm curious to see if people start selling their companies because there is a new wave generation that wants to buy something already established. And I wouldn't be surprised if I started seeing a wave of companies selling and starting afresh. It's definitely put a seed in my head. I'm well, and there are people who are willing to buy, which yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, building a brand is the hardest part, you know, mm-hmm. making years and years and years. And if you have good systems and you have all the stuff already, then, I mean, if someone just jumps in it, they just have to follow all your systems and rules and just try and keep it alive. But the actual building part is the hardest, especially in today's climate. Back then, it was a lot easier. Like I even got in, I was like the second generation lash artist. You were like one of the first. If you were in Australia back then, I would have been trained by you. But I think I was trained about a month after you came to Australia, maybe. Okay. Uh, In volume, that is. I'm doing lashes for 10 years. 2010 was my first course. But I was very lucky. I I kind of slid into the whole, we're starting to slowly share something and I want to create this community. And this is why it just went like that this would yes. not happen today. It would not happen. It's too saturated now. It, it is. But I think if anything, it will create some innovative, like the things we've never seen before. I'm starting to see new items pop up that it's like, now you're thinking that's what the industry is looking for. But um, I think a lot of the girls have got to get out of their own heads. You, yeah. We literally, if 2020 has shown us nothing or anything really, it is that we can't play by the old rules anymore. No, that's we have to be ahead of it. We have to try something else. Yeah, and either you're really scared of it and you let to let that bring you down or you start to get innovative and creative out of the need and the fear, perhaps. Fear makes us do some great stuff. It is, and we started our businesses with a need and a fear before. It was just smaller. Yeah. And yeah. so why can't we do it again and do it bigger this time? So I don't think that the potential is there. And yes, I think we're all very tired. This was a and a lot to just <laughs> digest this year but I think if anything the human spirit will prevail and I think that we'll have so much new information coming out that it will just blow up so that's yeah. why <laughs> I think so too but I'm still hoping for all this COVID to be over and see where this is actually starting us brand new it will make a lot of people disappear and it will make a lot of people come forth I think so. And I think whatever fighting wit that we need to have to make this COVID thing go away, because it's interesting that there are so many numbers that that are saying we shouldn't be in lockdown. 
And, and I think that people will be fighting back and saying, my right to own a business, my right to protect my family, my right to do this, is this, will, will bleed into their future endeavors and business as well. I, but I think we have to be brave enough to take that stand. I hope so. And I think social media will help that along, of course. We have a lot of businesses now in, in, in Australia, in Melbourne. I don't live in Melbourne. I live in Brisbane. We are completely open. We can go out. We can do whatever we want with a distance, right? But right. Melbourne is still in lockdown. They've only just started to open up hairdressers two days ago. Beauty is still in lockdown for 10 months almost. 10 oh months. No one was able to work. They had like a maybe two or three week period where they were able to work, but then it spiked again. And they have a really, really bad premiere over there. Dan Andrews, if you're listening, you're f <laughs> <laughs> but, um, And so there is a couple of people now opening up their shops. There was a hairdresser opening up. There was a clothing store opening up and going, I'm taking my stand. And then police came and, and it was all filmed with one of the reporters who's got a lot of followers now because he is one of the ones that speaks the truth um, right. and filmed those business owners opening up their businesses and taking a stand for themselves. And they were fined on the spot with something. And they said, I'm not paying the fine. You not, you can take me to court. I need to open my business. Otherwise I will be homeless. I have four kids at home, the hairdresser, a couple, they have four children and they just opened up a brand new barbershop a month before COVID, before lockdowns, a month before with all the fit outs and everything. And there's hundreds, if not thousands of other businesses in the same position. But if everyone, like you said, if everyone would just come together and take a stand, they couldn't do anything about it. They, they couldn't. couldn't. Nope. And that's why I'm just yeah. saying we can't be afraid anymore. I, you know, we, we just can't. California is in the same state. People try and open up, they shut them down. And it's just to the point where it's, this is so against all human rights. I, I don't know why we're taking, but take a mother who is told that potentially their children could die if they get this unknown thing, right? And so easily <laughs> the mama bear is going to come out and say, fine, I will be in lockdown until the all clear signal is there which again is why we need our men out there protecting and providing and saying, no, <laughs> look at the numbers. Here are the facts because we do get wrapped up in emotion oh, and yeah. we start getting afraid. We can't be afraid. We can't. It's funny because I actually posted something um, just today, just to wrap this podcast up, mm. um, I'll read it out, which has a lot to do with the media and what we believe. So if someone says it's raining, and the other person says it's dry, it's not your job to quote them both. It's your job to look out the window and find out which one is true. Amen. Amen. Exactly. Yeah. We will see where we're we coming up, but I want to thank you for your willingness and openness to share. Thank you. Love, Have love chatting you. Over there and stay safe and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> bye, love. Bye-bye.